Welcome to the Mapped Out Money Podcast, where we help you understand finance and manage your money so you can get on with living your adventure. You're listening to episode number 24. And today's episode is sponsored by the Mapped Out Money Minute. So this is another podcast uh, that mostly I do, but sometimes Hannah will pop on every now and again. And it's short, sort of bite-sized nuggets of information to help your finances. Very similar topics to what we talk about here, but it's normally 60 to 120 seconds or so. And uh, it happens seven days a week. So if you like this podcast, we'd love for you to check out that one. Just search for Mapped Out Money Minute uh, there in your podcast player, and it should pop right up. As you may or may not know, we are in the process of buying a house, but we do not have it yet. And so we are still recording this in the Airstream, and it is raining oh, again. Yeah. I think it always rains when always we try rains. to record well, podcasts. It's also supposed to worry. We've got a tropical storm, Sally, headed our way. Uh, and within the next 24 hours, it might be a hurricane. So so it might be a lot of rain. It might be a lot of rain. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. And, of course, Margot has been sleeping over here beside me for, like, a while but she didn't start snoring until we hit record. Well, yes. So we might get some Margo snoring. snores too. So anyways. So just ignore any extra noise. But today um, we wanted to talk about decision making because we all are faced with decisions all the time. And a lot of decisions that are hard to make. And there's not necessarily a right or a wrong answer. Well, and I think in particular right now we're making sort of a, you know, we're forced to make a bunch of decisions, uh, big decisions that we haven't had to make. Definitely. And so, you know, lots of parents right now are trying to figure out, are they sending their kids to school? Are they going to, um, you know, try and homeschool them? Are they going to try and pay um, a, a teacher or a nanny or someone else to help with them at home so that they can work from home? Yeah. And I mean, a lot of people are looking at permanent remote work too and so what do they want their life to look like if that's their new normal yeah um so yeah we there's just always lots of decisions going on um we you know made the house decision and just all of those things going on in our own life have reminded us of the importance of having having some guideposts to help help uh direct us through the decision-making process because when you're in the middle of things it can be really hard to think clearly I about it, the situation. I think it can be hard to, yeah, to not only to think clearly, but also like, okay, how do I even start this? You know, mm-hmm. like if you're trying to make the decision of changing careers or moving to a new city or buying a new house, it's almost like, what, how do you even start? You know, what, what should I look at? What should I analyze? How do I think about this? And so I, I think that's our hope with this episode is to give you a few different guideposts um, that you can kind of work through and think about that will help you with these sort of decisions, especially uh, the big financial ones. Yeah. So from our kind of experience, we've identified four guideposts that have kind of helped us along the way. So you want to jump into number one? Yeah. Yeah. Let's jump in. Okay. So our first guidepost for good decisions is to make the best decision you can with the information that you have, because there's a lot of things that we're just not going to know. And I know that sounds really obvious, but I think starting out this process by just acknowledging that, like, I don't know how this is going to play out in the future, and I just have to accept that and make the best decision that I possibly can. Yeah, I think this is easier, I think, for for some people, um, and for others, it's much harder. Like, I'm, I, I like to be in control. I like to plan everything out. I like to to have things go according to my plans. 
And so this one, I think, has been really difficult for me over the years of just accepting there's a certain amount of life that uh, I just don't get to control. And I just don't know how it's actually going to play out. And I sort of have to embrace that uh, with this. I think one area where you see this a lot, too, is like medical decisions. Yeah. So um, with my Meemaw, you know, like the past several years, they've talked about, oh, she needs to go on a statin drug because these numbers are high and blah, 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 whatever. And she tried that, but then she had like some memory issues that we felt like were maybe a side effect of that. So then discontinued that medication and that medication the whole point of it was basically to prevent a stroke and so after discontinuing it for a few years then she experienced a mini stroke and so I think like some people in the family like had some guilt around the fact that like she discontinued it but all you can do is make the best decision with the information you have at the moment so what we knew at the moment was that she had started this medication and then was showing this side effect so the best thing that we could do in the moment was to discontinue it. Totally. And and you, now we have another set of information. And so, like, she's trying a different one and, you know, all that we'll stuff. We'll see how that works. Yeah, but you just, you just don't know. And you can't beat yourself up about decisions that you made in the past because you didn't have all the information. We never well, have all the information. And, like, to that point, in that specific instance, you know, like, who's to say, what if you didn't take her off the statin drug and then— um, she lost a ton of memory. Right? Yeah, I mean, and, you and just then, never know. And then she didn't have the previous two years of, like, pretty great living because her, her memory was shot or something, right? Yeah. And so maybe that would have happened. Maybe it wouldn't have. You don't – but you don't know. You never know. Uh, and so it's – this sort of guidepost is more about, like, practicality of, like, you will drive yourself crazy if you try to second-guess every single decision. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's it's simply not practical because you will never know. Yeah. And I think you it can affect you negatively by keeping you from being able to make a decision at all. And then I also think it can affect you negatively by feeling guilty about the, the decision you made. Yeah. Um, so I think both of those, you know, just recognizing you can't do that to yourself because we're and, humans and we don't know. And one of the, the actually the, like the first time I ever heard this said in this way uh, was from uh, Gary Vee, who, if you've listened to the show, you know that I, I follow and, and and really enjoy his content and find it very helpful. And he's got a, a whole series of different videos where he talks about decision making. And um, one of the examples he uses, and it's sort of over the top, but uh, I like it and it sort of goes to prove the point. And he says, look. You know, one of the biggest mistakes of my uh, investment career is that I was good friends with um, Travis Kalanick, the guy who founded Uber, and I had the opportunity to invest in that company uh, in the seed round. And if I would have done that, um, which I didn't, I didn't believe in Uber at the time, I didn't think it was going to take off, and that was a mistake, but if I would have done that, um, I would have made... I would have basically turned my normal $20,000 checks, which is what I was, you know, doing, and that would have turned into a couple hundred million dollars. And so he talks about how, like, that's one of his biggest, quote-unquote, investment mistakes. But then he says, but, he says, what could have happened? That was like, I could have done that. I could have reached some level of, like, massive fame uh, and notoriety and then gotten invited to speak at some conference in Thailand. And so then I get on a plane and I land in Thailand and I get in a bus to go to my conference and I get hit by a truck and I die. And he's like, that could have happened. And now, like, because I didn't invest in Uber, that didn't happen. And he he sort of does it with this hyperbole and this sort of vibrato that he carries that it, it's sort of over the top and ridiculous. But it also proves the point of, like, that could have happened and you just 
don't know. And so it's not helpful for him to regret not investing in Uber and think about it and dwell on it. Instead, he needs to just take the information he has right now, make the best decision he can, and move on. Yeah, there's a certain amount of serendipity and like randomness in life that we just have to be okay with and recognizing that we're not in control, even though we can get under the illusion that we are sometimes. (laughs) Yes. So one of the quotes that we have for this point is from Mary Laura Philpott, and she wrote, I Miss You When I Blink, which we've talked about before on this show. And she talks about your choices and the things that you choose to do or not do as like dots on a connect the dots picture. And so her quote for this is, the picture you get at the end of a connect the dots activity really depends on which dots you decide to use. So try things and go through phases, put down lots of dots. Later, you can look back and pick any of those dots to create a picture of how you became who you are. And if you don't like the picture you end up with, you can always choose different dots, which just goes to show that destiny isn't all it's cracked up to be. Um, But I like that idea of we can put down all these different dots and then we can choose to connect them or not connect them to other dots on our page that we put down. There's this meme floating around social media right now that has like data and it has all these dots and then like information It has some of the dots like look together and then there's like knowledge, insight and wisdom and every single time it connects even more dots together and shows like a clear path. And then the bottom right hand corner has conspiracy theory and it's connected all the dots to make a unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) I just think it's funny and like it, it, it really does go to show like we can take the same exact data points of our life and we can connect them in all kinds of funny ways yeah. to make them do basically whatever you want yeah that is a good point i like that i think it's also important to remember that when we're comparing ourselves to other people like we can look at other people and connect their dots in a really impressive way totally. or whatever and then we can look at our own dots and act like they're pitiful or not impressive absolutely all right so Have we driven this point to the ground enough? I think so. I think we're ready for guidepost number two. Okay. Guidepost number two is balancing the analytical side of decision-making with going with your gut and the intuition and the importance of both. And I think there are some people, myself, uh, who tries to be a little bit more Spock-like, you know, a little bit more analytical and left brain. I try my best to sort of just attack it with the math. Um, And there's people who try to, you know, probably lean a little bit more to the intuition side. Uh, And we believe that it's both uh, and not too much on one or the other. Yeah. And kind of the point that we reached with this guidepost was we feel like it's important to lay a foundation with the analytical side so that you can trust your gut. But if you just go straight to trying to make a gut decision, you might not have thought through all the analytical stuff. And so I, I do think you need that analytical foundation, even if you end up going against it, just recognizing like, yeah, I'm making this decision that doesn't exactly make sense analytically, but I feel like it's the right decision to make because of X, Y, or Z gut reaction that I'm having, you know? And so it's kind of the idea of having a really strong a strong reasoning behind whatever decisions you're making so that there may not be any right or wrong decision. Um, It can be really subjective. The thing is, you need to know why you're making the decision. Mm -hmm. So um, if you are making a decision that doesn't make sense analytically, just know that and, and be able to explain to yourself why you chose that. Yep. So when it when it comes to this one, you know, when it comes to like making that base uh, of a foundation of of on the analysis, 
whenever you've got a big decision, certainly a big financial decision in your life, we found it's best to, you know, do a very simple pros and cons list, right? Pro for making the decision, uh, con for making the decision, right? Just at least write it out, lay it out. Um, if you're making a big financial decision, like um, trying to decide what you're doing with kids for school during the coronavirus, or you're looking at getting a pet, or maybe like a lot of other Americans, you're wanting to buy an RV because you can't fly anywhere. And so RV sales are on the rise. Or maybe you're thinking about moving because now your work is no longer in a certain city and you can work remotely. So you want to move. Like there's all kinds of big financial decisions that you might be considering. And you just need to literally break out the spreadsheet, do a little bit of research, and start figuring out the financial implications of that decision. And this is more than just sort of what's the initial cost, right? You got to play this out a little bit over the course of months and years of, okay, if I if I do buy that RV or if I do move cities or if I do move houses or if I do refinance, what does that look like? What's the math tell us? And Hannah and I do this for all major decisions. So we'll build a little spreadsheet. We'll look at our budget. We sort of play out the numbers, but we don't base our decision-making 100%. On that, yeah. If we did, we most definitely would not own an airstream, no, or have <laughs> no. four pets, no, not at all. Uh, if we were basing all our decisions on the most sort of uh, saving money decision out there, we definitely wouldn't have those things. So I think with this one, maybe the the takeaway here is um, whichever one you lean towards. Like if you typically are the intuition, gut, decision making type person, maybe it's time to break out the spreadsheet. You know, next time you're considering something big. And try to at least do a little bit of research, look at the numbers and see what's going on, and then rely on your gut. And if you're more of the spreadsheety person naturally, maybe it's time to not put as much weight in that, you know, still do the work, still look at it, still do the analysis, but then be comfortable sort of making a gut call at the end of it. Well, I think the other thing is if you feel like you're hitting a wall and you just can't figure out which direction you need to go try the opposite of whatever you've been doing. So like if you've been thinking about it very emotionally and you're just like hitting a wall and you're like, I just don't know, then, you know, try out the analytical stuff and, you know, vice versa. Like, I think, I think the important thing is that they don't function well by themselves. And we kind of experience this, you know, all of our examples are tying back to the house right now because that's like what we're right in the middle of. But we kind of hit a roadblock on the house that we're planning yeah, to buy. we had some issues with the appraisal. Long story short, we were trying to decide, okay, do we want to try to continue to push forward on this original house or do we want to consider this other house that just came on the market? Um, and the other complicating factor was that we were out of town. We weren't in the city that we're buying a house yeah, in we when all this kind of came up. And so um, we weren't able to kind of come back to the actual physical location in that moment and really kind of try to feel out this house versus that house and whatever. So we were purely looking at it analytically yep. on paper, trying to do pros and cons of each from a distance. Yep. And I felt like I had no clarity. I was like, I literally do not know. I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what we should do. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what makes sense. And then um, we were able to come back into town for just a couple of days. And uh, we we spent one evening just walking around. Yeah, we spent like four hours. Yeah. And we just walked around both kind of like neighborhood areas that they were in and really talked through things. And I just had clarity from my gut, from my intuition. I was yep. like, this just feels like the right house. I just have like real peace around going moving forward on this house. With the original one. Yeah. yeah. And I just don't have that with this other house. Um, so yeah, they just don't work 
separately. You have to have some elements of both. Yep. And during those conversations, it was helpful because we had done the foundation of the analysis. So we could draw on that and we could say, okay, well, um, do we feel comfortable giving up X, Y, and Z? Like the location, like for example, the the other house, the the one that had just come on the market was slightly closer to the, let's say, more desirable area, like the more downtown sort of um, cool vibe area that we enjoy hanging out in. Um, but while it was closer to that area, the immediate surroundings, like the, abs- the actual neighborhood it was in, was, was we didn't like it as much. Mm-hmm. And so we were being, because we had sort of done the analysis, it, it, while we were walking around relying on our guts, we were able to sort of say, you know, are, are you willing to give up the immediate neighborhood for the proximity to the downtown area? Well, and it was still like a mile away from downtown. Totally. So the original house is like two miles from downtown. Yes. So, I mean, it is half the distance from downtown, but it's still a mile away. It's not away. like it's in the backyard. So, and Nick yeah. and I, we we walk and jog Everywhere. all over the place. So we're like, okay, well, if we're, if we're willing to jog or if walk already- two miles in, does it... Does it really make a difference if yeah. we cut out a mile? And to us, it really doesn't. Like, either we're going to be out walking or running and we're going to, the distance, the distance isn't going to bother us or we're just going to drive. And so if you're talking two miles versus one mile in the car, then it really doesn't matter. So we weren't willing to sacrifice the immediate surroundings. Bingo. To gain that mile. And that was just one example. There were there were a number of other things with the, with the houses that ultimately made us probably decide to go with the, uh, with the original one. But it's still... A gut thing, like yeah. it was. It well, was it was us the gut doing the analysis, of, and then how's it feel? Yeah, a gut thing of like I like these immediate surroundings yes. better, and then an analytical thing of thinking through like does this distance actually make a difference? Yep. So it's both. Mm-hmm. How many times have we said that? Is it both? <laughs> it's both. So moving on to number three, which is to be aware of what's affecting your decisions. So um, think through whether or not there are cognitive biases um, that are affecting your decision or other things like trying to impress other people or there's all sorts of things that can yeah. impact our There's decisions. lots of outside forces that have nothing to do with your own thoughts on the matter, basically. And, you know, like we talk about all the time on this podcast, we're, we're all human and we are emotional. And because of that, we have these cognitive biases. And so whether it's the sunk cost bias, right, where your previous decisions are now affecting these decisions or these future ones, uh, whether it's the Diderot effect, like we talked about in the last episode. And so you feel like you've got to make this new big decision uh, because, of course, you got to have the the newer, better thing, right, to go along with whatever you just did. Um, And whether it's, you know, like confirmation bias, we've talked about that, where you sort of already know what you want. And now you're just going to like look for the information that you want to support that. Um, There's all these different biases that can come up when it comes to your decision making. And I want you to try and be self-aware enough to recognize when those might be impacting your decision. Yeah. And with the confirmation bias one, too, I think it's also important to recognize that in other people and how that can affect other people's reaction to your decisions. And so again, this is something that Mary Laura Philpott does a really good job of talking about. She pointed it out in her book, like if somebody makes a decision and you make a decision that is different from their decision, our teeny tiny little human brain, in order to make sense of that, has to try to make one decision right and one decision wrong. And so if you make a decision differently from somebody else, in order for their decision to be correct, they need to make yours seem wrong. And so recognizing that that's not how it is in reality, that they're 
there can be two fine or even really good decisions that are different. It's not an either or. It can be and. And this is why, like, sometimes I think you can feel attacked. Like, we've even had a couple of people in our life over the last couple of weeks um, who were almost so aggressively, like, why are you moving there? Um, when we told them that we were buying a house in the city, that it really took us off guard. Like, it, it was very weird, and it was very aggressive, and it felt out of nowhere. Yeah. And, and I think— But to, it's like the fact that they yes, they chose they chose something to move different. away from where they were. And so if our decision is right, then it makes them feel like their decision was wrong, yes. which isn't true. But people can feel that way, and it can lead to this this kind of negative reaction to what you're doing without them even maybe even realizing yeah. it. So, so just knowing that and just recognizing that it's not personal yeah. against you. Give them just, the benefit of the doubt yeah. and don't let that affect your decision making is yeah. really what it comes down to. Yeah. The big idea, I think, with this one is, like most things, it's self-awareness around what's going on. And so Hannah and I, a lot of the time, when we're making a decision, one of us will literally call out and be like, ooh, that's a sunk cost. That's a that's getting us right now. Or or like, you know, the um I'll say, oh, I really want this thing. You know, and then you're like, eh, if you give a mouse a cookie. Like like we know when something's affecting us and we'll kind of call it out. But the big idea is that it, it's not that we then just don't make that decision. Like just because the sunk cost bias might be affecting us a certain way, it doesn't mean we automatically won't do whatever the sunk cost bias would agree with. Yeah. It just means that we're conscious of its effect on us. And we try to make sure that that if it does align with that kind of thing, that it's just icing on the cake yes. and not, not the main reason why we're making Bingo. the decision. So like if we had changed our mind and decided to go towards a different house, there would have been a lot of sunk cost associated with that. We would have been starting from scratch in yep. the whole process. Um, so it was definitely icing on the cake that we didn't have to start from scratch, but we didn't want that to be the deciding factor. Yes. That's exactly right. So just be aware of what's affecting you and be aware of, of other people's opinions and how that could be affecting you. Be aware of those internal biases and how that could be affecting you and be aware of you trying to impress other people and how that could be affecting you. Uh, so that's number three. Ready to move on to uh, number four? Yeah. So the fourth guidepost is um, actually something that you showed me, I don't even know, like a week ago, super fresh, and I loved it. And so um, this idea of... Uh, don't make the right decision, make the decision right. Yeah. And I found it in this article by Ed Batista, who, which I have no idea who he is. He's evidently some important guy when it comes to decision making. Yeah. At least he had some good things to say. He did. So, he did. So he quoted Scott McNeely saying, it's important to make good decisions, but I spend much less time and energy worrying about making the right decision and much more time and energy ensuring that any decision I make turns out right. We put all this emphasis on the initial decision and not that much emphasis on what comes after it. Mm -hmm. It reminds me a lot of, um, this is somewhat related, but there was a study that was done, like a like a 20-year longitudinal blah-de-blah study that was done where they basically looked at um, people who applied to Ivy League colleges. So like Harvard, Yale, Princeton, et cetera. Uh, and they basically took them into two groups, and the people who applied got in and then went, and the people who applied got in but then chose to go elsewhere. 
And what they found was that over the course of 20 years after graduation, there was almost no difference, uh, no almost no measurable difference in, quote unquote, the success that those people experienced, um, be it in money, career, prospectives, whatever. And the conclusion of the study was essentially that if you are the type of person who can apply and get into an Ivy League school, um, you're going to make whatever decision you end up making the right decision. Um and that there's a lot more sort of importance to be placed on the way that you attack your life than whether or not you go to this college or that college. We see this all the time in marriage too, right? Yeah, like yeah. people will freak out over who am I getting married to, which is good. I mean, you should put a yes. lot of thought into that. Yes, do not make that one <laughs> oh, don't lightly. make that one lightly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what's once that decision is made, what's even more important is the effort that you put into your marriage after yes. that. Um, and a lot of people totally neglect that. Yeah. Well, and I think our culture, especially like in America, like this sort of Disney, um, your soulmate, your soulmate, thing. you know, sort of uh, thing that we're fed. Um, yeah. Once you marry somebody, you make them your soulmate. Yeah. That's how that works. <laughs> yeah. So a few more quotes um, from that Ed Batista article. They said, um, the more we yearned for an objective algorithm to rank our options and make the decision for us, the more we distance ourselves from the subjective factors, our intuition, our emotions, our gut, that will ultimately pull us in one direction or another. So I think that kind of ties back into our um, second point. Totally. You know, that it is this mix of analytical and um, subjective that we have to we have to find some sort of balance in order to make good decisions. Yeah, the other thing they said that I liked was um, focusing on the effort that will be required not only helps us see the means by by which any choice might succeed, it also restores our sense of agency and reminds us that while randomness does play a role in every outcome, our locus of control resides in our day to day activities more than in our one time decision and. I think that's not to make this all a careers podcast because I think it's, it shows up all the time, but it's so obvious in your career where, you know, we sort of put all this pressure on 18-year-olds graduating high school to make a decision uh, about their career for the rest of their life. And, you know, on the one hand, like, yeah, that's a big decision, especially these days because of the, the uh, amount of student loan debt that is so crazy. But you don't have to make one decision at 18 years old about what you're going to do for the next 60 years. Like, that's not how that works. And I think we put too, way too much pressure on that instead of recognizing that actually the importance is, what does he say, our locus of control resides in our day-to-day -day activities more than in our one-time decisions. I just think that's so true. Yeah, it definitely is. And the other thing finance-wise that this made us think about was um, like when you're trying to decide whether or not to make a big purchase. Yes. So whether that's a vacation home or a boat or whatever, um, thinking about it from the perspective of what actions are going to be required from you to make that the right decision and knowing that work and effort that it's going to take to make it the right decision, are you still happy making the decision? Yes. So if you buy a vacation home, how often are you going to have to go to make you feel good about owning yep. it? And what's the upkeep that's going to be required? And what are the extra expenses and just This is how I think timeshares suck people in. You know, they, they, they sort of, not to harp on timeshares, but man. I was man. to say, that was random. Where did this come from? <laughs> no, it, 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 it does. It reminds me of that, though, because like the way that they're marketed to people is that you don't at all think about the long-term 
way that that's going to play out and like the way that the expenses are going to roll out and then how how you need to go to a certain uh, and hit certain dates to basically make it worthwhile and to make the finances make sense for you they are selling those 90% of the time off emotion uh and so i think like it's one of those things where it's a big decision you just saying the vacation home thing made me think of it because people will buy into something like that without thinking through the long term effects that need the long-term requirements that need to happen in order for that to feel like, yes, I made the right decision and how unrealistic that is most of the time. So when you're faced with a decision like that, think about the effort that you're going to need to put in it to make it the right decision and then figure out if you're still happy with that decision, knowing what all it's going to take from you to make it right. Yep. Um, And the final kind of thought that we pulled out from this article is to avoid paralysis by analysis and move forward by one paying close attention to the feelings and emotions that accompany the decision we're facing so again not relying solely on the analytical Mm -hmm. also having that subjective and intuition part in there Um, Two, assess how motivated we are to work toward the success of any given option so that's kind of what we just talked about are you willing to put in the work that it's going to take to make that decision right Um, three Recognize that no matter what option we choose, our efforts to support its success will become more important than the initial guesswork that led to our choice. So I I think that's just a super important kind of final point from that article. It is. And and to me, if you know, if I could kind of drive home two big points, to me, this fourth one and the first one really tie together with this idea of, look, you can only make the best decision you can with the information you have. And you're never going to know how the other decision would have played out. And so whether to sell the home or buy the home or change careers or not, or have that, you know, have another kid or not, you're never going to know how it would have played out. While in the same vein, you do have agency to make whatever decision you make work out. And so to me, those two together just perfectly align um, to know, do your best, do your research, look at everything, and then ultimately just pull the trigger and commit to making that decision work. Yeah, dedicate dedicate the time to make it a decision you like. Ooh. And speaking of what we like. What do we like? It's time for the stuff we like. I'm glad that you did it this time. <laughs> so we have a lighthearted stuff we like. A very time. lighthearted. Yeah. And that is the Popcast, which is a podcast done by Knox McCoy and Jamie Golden, right? Is that yes, how I that's, him. that's yep. what their names sound made up. But they do sound kind of made up. I know. They have just a podcast that makes us laugh when we listen to it. And yes. it's just random pop culture stuff. Super random pop yeah. culture stuff. So like the last few episodes that we've kind of been listening to, one was the nose of wedding nose of weddings. Yeah. But it was like the third one that they've done on that yeah. topic. Um, and not to spoil anything, but there's a unity sandwich that they talk about in there that <laughs> really made us laugh. And then um, they just came out with an episode on Taylor Swift. Um, maybe not just. I can't remember. Yeah, it was about a month ago. So, And then also we listened to their Bridesmaids episode that was together hilarious. while we were in the car together. Yeah, it was like a Bridesmaids deep dive. And it was really interesting. They brought up a lot of things that I didn't know about that movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they just, they have a fun take on It's super on stuff. fun, super lighthearted, and we've been enjoying it. It's been nice because, you know, I think a lot of the times I recommend like these intense podcasts on here, like Jocko Podcast or something like that. And it's really nice to flip to the podcast and have like super lighthearted, super fun, funny, make you laugh. Purely entertainment. Super 
purely entertainment. Yeah. Um, so we've been really enjoying them. So with that being said, do you want to wrap it up for us? Sure. So the four guideposts that we want to point out to help you try and make better decisions, especially if they're bigger, sort of, um, you know, financially daunting, daunting decisions. Uh, the first one is to remember that you just have to make the best decision you can with the information you have because you're never going to know what the alternative is. And that's just part of life. The second one is that the analytical and the gut intuition side of things, they're both important and you need both. And so build your base of analysis by looking at the pros and cons and the spreadsheets. And then ultimately you have to make a gut call. The third one is to be aware of all the outside things that could be affecting you, uh, both, you know, sort of your own um, mindset and biases and cognitive biases that affect humans, and then also the people around you and the culture and the societal expectations that might be on you to make a decision one way or the other, uh, and make sure you factor in those things and how they're affecting you before you, you pull the trigger. And then the fourth one is to make whatever decision you make the right decision. So don't focus on making the right decision, make the decision right is the quote to take away here. And um, yeah, so whatever big decisions you have in your life right now, uh, or even small decisions, we hope that this is helpful for you and uh, really appreciate you listening. (laughs) 